0: And welcome to the first ever episode of Maven Capital Partners' new podcast, Invested. My name is Laura Boyd, and I'm a television presenter and reporter who's interviewed everyone from the likes of Dolly Parton to Rod Stewart. But this podcast is a little bit different because here I'm going to be talking to business leaders, entrepreneurs, and innovators at the helm of some of the UK's fastest-growing companies. Now, as well as learning about the businesses themselves, we're We're also going to be diving into the background of the people behind them how they got to where they are, how they started out, the highs and lows of their careers and what it takes to become a leading entrepreneur. It's a fascinating insight and in our pilot episode we kick off with Andrew Avanesian. He is the CEO of technology solution Appler, a digital adoption platform that enhances productivity to help businesses improve data quality in their systems and applications. He is a highly driven manager and with a fantastic story to tell. So sit back, relax, and take some inspiration from Andrew. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us as our debut guest for the podcast. Thanks for taking time out your busy day. We can't wait to hear about the business and how you got to where you are today. But first, we're starting off all these podcasts with the same question. We want to know how you kick off your day. Give us your morning routine.
1: For me, I like to kind of get up just before six o'clock. I like to do some exercise of some form in the morning because I think it kind of focuses your mind and, and clears your head as well. And one of the things I always tell people is, when I've kind of done some sort of sport, whatever that might be, whether it's a run or a swim or a bike or something like that, sometimes come up with my best ideas on those on those training sessions because there's nothing better than kind of finishing that training session, coming up with a great idea and then you just refresh for the day and you've got all the energy and the endorphins from doing that piece of exercise. So for me, exercise is key and fundamental to everything around kind of me as an individual and what drives me and all the rest of it. So that's something that I absolutely I do every day, really. And it doesn't have to be, you know, going on a 10k run or something in the morning. It might be something like a yoga session, or it might be uh, a swim, or it might be, you know, some sort of something for, for me as a, like an individual, as a, like my mind, my body type thing. So that's a, something I would start my day off with.
0: And Do you think that is really important? Because I think we hear that from so many business people and, and entrepreneurs that there is that taking time for yourself. But as you say, that kind of kickstart to the morning. Yeah. You know, you're going to have a crazy busy day, but it doesn't yeah. matter. That Getting up that little bit earlier really does help. Yeah,
1: 100%. Otherwise, you'd go if everything was about, you can't work all the time, right? You can't be, you know, you can't be in the thick of a business every single minute of every single day. You've got to have a time to recharge. So, what I would tend to do, is swim generally in the morning and then I'd tend to do something at lunchtime as well. And that might be a yoga session at lunch or that might be a run at lunch. And the irony of that is it reset. It actually, I feel more invigorated and have more energy having gone out for a run at lunchtime than I would do if I just worked throughout the day. Yeah. And just, because it, it refreshes you. It gives you a bit of a reboot. The, the other thing I think, which is. And it's really important, and it, and it doesn't work for everybody. But it's have a plan, so I don't, you know, turn up to work in the morning with, you know, no idea of what I'm doing. I'm a very kind of organized individual, so I've got, you know, a, a plan of action for the day. So I'm not turning up and wasting any calories or energy trying to figure out what it is we need to solve that day. You know, we've got you've got a plan for that that's been, you know, scheduled, maybe or figured out the day before, or the day before that, the like that.
0: Yeah, well, good advice there. So that's what you do now. But I want to go back to the start. So tell me a little bit about you growing up.
1: You know, born and bred in Manchester. As you can probably tell by my <laughs> by my accent, uh, very very bullish as well about the region. Actually, about about the north, the northwest generally as a place to to build a tech business to you know innovate. Um, always been, I've always known that I wanted to be in tech. I've always known that I wanted, you know, from fixing fixing computers as a, as a kid or, you know, fixing whatever it might be, being in technology. I've always always been passionate about that and known I wanted to go down that route. So I've always had a clear vision on that piece. Um, and always, when whenever, I, because I've, this is not my first tech business I've worked for and grown and, and kind of exited, I've always been really passionate about the region, and always wanted to create, you know, a tech center of excellence in in you know in Manchester. Yeah, I'm biased about Manchester. I love I love the place. Right, you know that's where I'm from. It's a great place. Enough. Yeah, it, fair enough. Thank you. But I mean, look, I mean, clearly, I'm going to be biased about it. But I think generally, we've got so much potential in the UK yeah. and in in the North, especially, to build great businesses wish we need to be more bullish we need to think bigger about about the region and what we can achieve and i think sometimes we're held back by by not having the funding or not having the ambition and, and actually you know there's many bigger businesses in the us because they've got more of a bullish at- attitude towards things they've got more funding to kind of build businesses and i think we need to we need to back ourselves i think a little bit but for me always been in and around technology always known you know went to university did a computer science degree always known that i wanted to to be in tech of some, in some way of some sort. And then got, you know, my first job on support, doing first-line IT support. And then, you know, fast forward, you know, maybe more than a few years, but fast forward a little bit. And, uh, you know...
0: It it's, served you well.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and what were you like as a young boy? Were you, obviously, as you say, you were into tech, but what was your person personality like? Were you always very, very driven?
1: i I'm one of those classic completer finishers, I think. So if I come up with a plan, I'm gonna finish it, I'm gonna deliver on it. That that isn't to say you you don't, you know, you have to you have to what's the kind of sports analogy, play the game that's in front of you, you know. So you shouldn't just come up with a plan and, you know, doggedly determine you know, doggedly complete that, whether it might not be the right thing to do, especially in business, things change, environments change, we've had a pandemic, we've had a global downturn, you've got to reassess constantly. But I've always been someone that delivers on what they say they're going to do and always been someone that has been focused on, you know, you've come with a plan, you're going to complete it. That's kind of my uh, personality. And I've always been in and around sport as well, played rugby for years, been in and around teams, you know, be, been committed to a team and delivering on you're part of that, uh, you know, part of that agreement, I suppose.
0: Yeah, how do you think your friends would describe you? <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> extremely focused,
0: yeah,
1: um, yeah, extremely, extremely focused, um, uh, very, very particular about things, actually. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I know what I like, I know what I don't like,
0: having that goal, and obviously, like. Your life being so organised and you're you're so committed to the job, with your friendships and, and that kind of side. Do you think that can you? Is it possible to get the balance right?
1: The short answer to that question is yes. It does come at a cost because not everybody thinks the same way you do. You know, everybody has different frames of reference. Everybody has different experiences. Every everybody is. So I'm a task focused person, hugely task focused. You know, I'm not. If you looked at my personality profiling, which obviously I've done, you know, many times, it's very task focused. And actually, not everybody's like that. So if you if you speak into or dealing with a people focused person, you need to react and respond differently. Yeah. To build a relationship with those pe- people, to build trust with those people, and actually get the most best out of those people, and for friendships as well, right? You know, for me, I you know I don't need someone to ask me whether I had a nice weekend or, you know, blah, 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 all all the kind of small talky type stuff. You know, for me, someone can absolutely come up to me and say, Andrew, you said you were going to do this by Wednesday next week Have you done it. And, you know, for me, I'm okay with that, but not everybody responds well to that type of approach. So you have to know individuals. You have to spend time to understand your friends, to understand your family, to understand the people that are working with you and coming on that journey with you, to understand how they want to be. Yeah worked with, communicated with, um, supported, so you don't try and end up um, just
0: layering on the way you want to
1: work for the people. And I've learned that the hard way over the years mm. because, you know, I've, I've run businesses, grown businesses, and, you know, I've got everything now organized in my head and planned in my head. And I've, you know, gone into meetings and said, so Emma, you said you were going to do this by um, the end of the week. Why have you not finished it? And actually that individual... But I've not responded well to that because that's not how they are. That's not how they are as individuals. And, you know, and everybody's got hopes, dreams, fears, things going on in the personal life. And, you know, you can't just apply the way you work to everybody. So it has come at a cost. And I've learned, had my fingers burned, you know, through my own doing, I suppose. I've learned mm-hmm. that, you know, that's not a broad brush, doesn't, you know, it doesn't fit everybody, does it?
0: Yeah. No, completely. And from the business point of view, was there a pivotal moment for you that started it all in business?
1: So, so if I take a step back pre AppLearn, so obviously AppLearn is where I am today. Prior to that, I was part of a a team again in Manchester that that I wasn't the founder, you know, not one the founder of that business. It was a business called the vector We I was the fourth employee, but we took that business from four people to three hundred and fifty, and we exited that business for just under two hundred million. And what we did. Was take an idea. We didn't have any. We didn't have any customers. Yeah. We had a prototype of a product. We had a great idea. We knew there was a problem that needed to be solved, and we, you know we built a go to market strategy. We built an ICP, an ideal customer profile. We went and sold into America. We took on the bigger players in the space, and we won. So the whole pivotal moment question for me is about actually being able to see the vision in an idea. And be excited about it and then you know i'm really motivated by turning round and at the end and going look what we achieved guys yeah so that's you know there, there was this the you, people often talk about these light bulb moments where they woke up in the morning at three o'clock in the morning and that idea you know that that's i i think sometimes over dramatize those types of things i think things happen iteratively well certainly have in my world anyway where you know you, you haven't got this idea that's popped into your head but Things have materialized. they materialize through getting things wrong as well. try yes. Trial and error and, you know, iterating on an idea and, okay, you've, what have you've you learned from getting things wrong? And I think people need to be, you know, in business, you have to balance testing and learning with coming up with a new idea every five minutes and getting that balance right is really difficult.
0: I can imagine. And then when you move into AppLearn, Tell me how that came about and at what point you went into the company.
1: Yeah, so my my background is in, as I've kind of just touched on, is scaling tech businesses. Yeah. Actually understanding what's a good idea and understanding what's a bad idea. And you, you often find with founders, entrepreneurs, they're ideas people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I wouldn't put myself in the bucket of being an ideas person. I'd put myself in the bucket of... I know what makes a good idea and I know what makes a bad one. Yeah. And I know what you need to do to scale it from a people, from a process, from a systems point of view, to take an idea and actually scale that. So it's the same when I joined Vecto and it's the same when I joined AppLearn. We we transitioned that business from a services business into a product-led software company. And then we're going on a scale-up journey. We're doing 50% of what we do from the US. We are you know scaling the people, scaling the product. We acquired a business based out of Slovakia that brought in some world-leading technology into our platform. So now we've got one of the best products in the space, and we've got the people, we've got the management team, we've got the processes for scale. So now it's about putting fuel on the file and scaling it. So you know, I was brought in to the business by the shareholders to bring that experience around scalability into the organisation.
0: Is there a buzz for you in it when somebody like AppLearn comes to you and they go here's a business, you look at the model and you think, yes, this is one, I can see the growth in that. Is there, is there an excitement? that builds? Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, going back to what you said before, what were you like as a child? I like fixing things. Yeah. So, you know, I've always liked fixing things, whatever that may be. Right. So um, there's a buzz around looking at something and going, well, I, you know, that X, Y, and Z doesn't work if we change if we if we change A, does does it make a difference? If we change B, what results do we get there? Yeah. There is an absolute buzz about that. There's a buzz about looking back and going, and it's and it's not just you know it's everybody's involved in this. It's about looking back and going, look guys, what 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 have we done? Yeah, you know everybody in the business has an important role to play, and I think in when you scale in a business as well, you need different people at different points. In the early days, you need people that are comfortable with uncertainty. You need people that are willing to try new ideas. As you get bigger, you need a different type of person. You need a you know somebody that, you know, not everybody can be a rock star, not everybody can do everything in a bigger business. So you need yeah. some you know, different profiles of people that actually want to do their job, do it well, and have certainty over what the steps are for that role, and have certainty over what the career progression for that role is. In the super early days. You know, you've got people that actually want to carve out their own career in a business because they're okay with the level of uncertainty. So as you scale a business as well, you need different people. You need to understand when and how those people come in and what role they've got to play in in the business on its maturity curve.
0: How daunting is it taking something like that or oh, knowing it, it's a massive task? And is there a thrill to it? Do you thrive on that? The
1: answer to that is yes. Um, and it's I, it, it's quite, there's kind of a bit of a dichotomy with me in, in terms of I'm comfortable with uncertainty. Yeah. I like to bring uncertainty to uncertain scenarios. So I don't leave things to chance. And I think it's important to have a plan. And I think it's important that everyone's aligned to that plan and know what their their role is. So in our, in our business, we have a vision of where we want to get to, which is to be, you know, the world leading DAP. We've got six business objectives and we've got, 30 goals that measure them. So everybody's got a role to play in the business around, well, what they're working on, is it affecting one of these goals? So the end state might be uncertain because there might be two, three, five years between now and, and then. But what I've got to try and do is be two to three years ahead into the future and working back from that. Yeah. And then the, the plans get more fuzzy as you get further out. They get more certain as you get closer. But you know for me it's about business is about trying to bring certainty to an uncertain environment and in scale world that's multiplied massively because you're actually in a lot of the times you're defining a space you're defining a product you're selling things to people they've never heard they have not never heard of it a DAP before which is a digital adoption platform yeah. most people today still don't know what that is and it's an emerging environment so you've got that element applied to it as well but there is a certain absolutely there's a buzz about it and when you when you achieve your goals and you look back you know it's it's an amazing euphoria around look what look what we've done from nothing
0: and bringing in external funders i guess that that's a whole other side of it so in 2020 you met with maven secured investment from mpi of maven equity finance You've yeah. been managed Northern Powerhouse Investment Fund for ambitious yeah. businesses across the Northwest, which we already know you're so passionate about. But as a tech-focused company with a strong team, excellent reputation in the market, you fit perfectly the criteria of that fund. But how did it all start and how has that been having them involved?
1: So tech businesses are expensive to, to get off the ground. So you have an idea, you've got to build the product. You don't, uh, you know, before you, you before you build the product, you're not getting customers. So you've got to build the product. You've got to then go out and find your early adopters. You've then got to refine that product market fit. And then once you've built the product, you understand who you're selling to. So you've come up with an ideal customer profile, which might take some time to get to. You then need to put fuel on the fire and go. Well, how can we, you know, get two x, three x, four x on on your sales numbers? You can't do all of that organically unless you're fortunate enough to maybe, you know, done it before, exited and put your own money, you know, back into it. You've got to go out and get the support of, you know, financial backers and the idea, you know, ideally you want to get the support of a financial backer that understands what you're trying to do, understands that actually there's a period of time where you need to invest in growth, you need to invest in customer acquisition, you need to... Make, maybe lose a little bit of money before you then start making a profit. And they're kind of the different stages that you go through as a tech business. So all, every tech business, that every startup that, you know, opens its doors will be a loss-making company for a period of time, and they'll have a plan to return to profitability. You know, you go to your um, traditional high street banks, let's say, you know, what they, they think about things more traditionally, yeah, where you, know, you buy something for a pound, you sell it for two pounds, you make a pound profit. Um, massively oversimplifying it, obviously, but you know you need the support of a financial backer that understands what you're trying to achieve, and that's where and I may even come into the mix. And Northern Powerhouse Fund came to the coming to the mix as well. And again, that all ties back to me being passionate about the region, mm-hmm. being passionate about actually growing tech businesses, and that's you know that's why it all all kind of fell into place really with with Maven and the, the North Powerhouse Fund.
0: And when you sit back today and look at where AppLearn is at and where you are at, are you happy?
1: I'm restless and I want to do more and I want to, you know, uh, you know achieve more and grow faster and impatient in, and all the good things. I'm proud of where we've got to, but I want us to do more. So, And I think we can do more. And I'm like super ambitious and bullish in that space. And again, it, I think it comes back to my point I made earlier about the UK and the US and the differences. I think we've got so much talent in the UK, so much talent in the north. We need to back ourselves and we need the funding partners that can support that ambition. They've got much more access to capital in the US than we have in the UK. And what I am what, what I want to try and do is create a tech ecosystem, help create that tech ecosystem in the UK that allows us to back our great entrepreneurs and great ideas and great individuals to really achieve some amazing things. So I'm super bullish about what we can achieve, really proud of where we've got to, but I want us to do more.
0: And what's your ultimate goal? Where do you want to be? Where would you be happy and finally content?
1: Someone said to me, "Would you would you ever retire?" So you know, you grow up, learn. You know, fast let's dream a fraction. You grow up, learn. You know, like like our, like a vector. We exited that business of two hundred million. You grow up, learn. For again, let's say it sells for two hundred million dollars or whatever, right? Hundred million. The numbers irrelevant. But let's say you do that. Someone said to me, "Would you then stop?" And my short answer to that is, I don't think I'd ever retire
0: because
1: never. I I, I I've got bags of energy. I've got too much kind of. <laughs> Um, you know, I've 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 never sit still really to be honest. So no, I probably wouldn't. Um I'd probably then go and do something again or get more involved with other tech businesses to help them grow and help the region grow and that type of thing.
0: And what would you like your legacy to be?
1: I actually read a book called Legacy about the All Blacks rugby team. If if you're not ready or and people listening to the podcast haven't read it, I'd really advise you to read it. And they have a, a kind of a mentality of leaving the team in a better place than when they joined, and I think you know that that is the way I think about the world. You know, I want to leave Learn in a better place than when I started. You know, I want to leave um, any business that I'm involved in in a better place than when I, when I joined it, and that's you know what ultimately I I kind of want to do. I want my reputation to be about improving things and growing things and actually leaving the world in a better place and then you know from a personal perspective you know try to do that with family and friends and you know want to get to the point where I'm you know I suppose spending some time giving something back as well and it it might sound a bit cliche but you know you kind of get the opportunity to do that if you've been successful in 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 the world of work I suppose.
0: No completely and and finally Andrew your three tips for someone in business? I think we're in an era where self-doubt, imposter syndrome, you know, there's there's so many kind of external factors going around for people, but what would be your three tips for success in business for someone listening or watching this?
1: You've got to have a plan. I think it's super important to have a plan, or if you're not that way inclined, have people around you that can build a plan. You can't... you, you've got to, and I said it before, you've got to sort of know what you're trying to achieve and build and, and reverse engineer from the end state the steps you need to get to to get there. So you've got to have a plan. So have a vision, have a way of measuring it, have a way of executing on it. And if you are an ideas person, surround yourself with people that can build that plan if you're not interested in that, excited by that. Because otherwise, because you just have lots of ideas that are unfinished, lots of, you know, like a kid in a sweet shop taking one sweet out of every jar of, of the, the available suites, but never actually finishing anything. So I think that's super important. The other piece of advice I'd, I'd kind of give around tech entrepreneurs is don't let vanity get in the way of results because I've seen it too often where, you know, a, an entrepreneur has a great idea and has a maybe an unrealistic expectation of what the value of that idea is on today. Yeah. So they're searching for valuation of their business, which is unrealistic and actually then end up tying their hands because they've raised money, let's say, on an unrealistic valuation that then comes with a lot of structure around it that then hinders them raising money in the future. So I think only raise the amount of money you need to deliver the results against your plan. Otherwise, you can end up raising too much money on a stupid valuation or a high valuation that has lots of crippling Structured around it, that then means you can't then grow the business because you're tied into a structure that's really crippling for you as an organization. So I think, you know, having a plan, being sensible about the money you raise, not raising too much, not having unrealistic expectations around valuation, and then actually, you know, focus is important. focus and alignment in an organization is super important. So they'd be my, my top tips. And the, the hardest thing in the world is the hardest and most important thing in the world is the people in your business because without the people everything else is irrelevant you can have the best tech in the world but if you haven't got the sales team if you haven't got the customer success team if you haven't got the professional services team to deliver it you haven't got people that are motivated and excited then you've got nothing so the people are absolutely a the hardest thing in the world to get right and b the most important thing in the world so you kind of you know you've got to really focus on on having the right culture in the, in the organization that everybody's bought into and excited about.
0: Well, Andrew, I'm feeling very motivated and inspired now. <laughs> that's fantastic. You're an absolute force of energy, and we can't wait to see what you do next. Finally, what are you going to do to um, chill out now? Do you manage to switch off of an evening? Do you switch I'm, at, going on? I'm
1: actually going swimming after this. So uh, that's what I'm doing this evening. Um, and then I'm going to spend some time with my uh, family.
0: Brilliant. Well, enjoy. Thank you so much. And thanks for being a brilliant first guest. And yeah, we will speak to you soon. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you. Before you go, don't forget to hit like and subscribe to our podcast. And if you'd like to hear more from the likes of Andrew and entrepreneurs just like him, head to mavencp.com now.